0: This is Lega Football. Eccoci Serie A, match day two is done. So we have all the news, results and breakdown. And auguri to a former legend of the game. We have the Moscone moment as we bring you all the latest transfer news on Lega Football. We had some big games on the weekend. Atalanta, Milan, Napoli, Monza and Inter Spezia were the best ones out there in terms of goals, only 13. On match day two, a big difference to match day one with 34 goals. So the top scorers so far in Serie A, well, Napoli is boasting two of them. And the outright goal scorer on three goals is Kovica Paratskelia with three and an assist. Victor Ossiman with two goals and an assist. Bologna's Marko Arnautovic with two goals. Also on two goals are Thomas Henry of Verona and Ante Rebic of Milan and Dusan Vlaovic of Juventus. Couldn't find the back of the net against Sampdoria. As for Inter, they've scored five goals, but they have five individual goal scorers with Lukaku, Martínez, Shalhanoglu, Correa and Dumfries. Some of the headlines, well, financial fair play is In the news, it's about improving the overall financial health of European club football. According to Football Italia, UEFA could announce some sanctions against Juventus, Inter and Roma over FFP, the acronym for financial fair play. There's a few other teams around the continent that could be under investigation as well. Inter and Roma have negotiated potential sanctions with UEFA a few months back, but according to this report, they are likely to be at least fined and get transfer restrictions. Juventus have refused to negotiate FFP sanctions with UEFA. They're still not part of the ECA and haven't formally withdrawn from the Super League. Barcelona are in the same situation while Real Madrid don't risk any sanction at all. UEFA rules allow €30 million in losses over three years, but COVID-related losses and healthy Spending on things such as women's and academy football and depreciation can be written off from next season UEFA for bringing in a new system with clubs limited to spending a part of their revenue on salaries, agents' fees and transfers. We'll see how this one goes in the fallout of the Roma game against Cremonese's Sky Sport Italia report that Zagnolo is expected to be out of action for three to four weeks. Zagnolo himself confirmed with the message on his Instagram story, which had a very pointed sense to it for all doomsdayers who hoped it was something serious. We'll see each other in three weeks. So according to Zagnolo, the player himself, he doesn't seem to think he's going to be out for very long. He used the emoji for an owl because the Italian slang term for someone who wishes ill upon others is the gufo. Zaniolo could be back for the match against Atalanta if it is only a three or four week shoulder injury Moving on, it's Demetrio Albertini's birthday, the former Azzurri legend and Milan legend, the former sporting director with the FIGC widely considered one of the legends of the AC Milan side of the 90s under Sacchi and Capello, big player for Italy throughout the 90s as well, spent most of his career with Milan Overall, his club honours include five Serie our titles or with Milan, three Supercoppa Italianas three UEFA Champions Leagues two UEFA Super Cups and an Intercontinental Cup his stint at Lazio saw him win a Coppa Italia towards the end of his career he did win La Liga with Barcelona in 2004-05 and with the national team he didn't win anything at senior level finishing a UEFA European Championship runner-up in the year 2000 that heartbreaking loss to France also finished a FIFA World Cup runner-up in 1994 losing to Brazil on penalties in the final, but did win the UEFA European Under-21 Championship in 1992, inducted into the AC Milan Hall of Fame. He's also part of my best ever all-time Milan 11 that I've written for the Gentleman Ultra and also an extended version, which is going to go up on the LEGO Football Substack later this week. For those that don't know too much about Dimitri Albertini, for the Italian national team, he was capped 79 times between 1991 and 2002, scoring three goals. He made his debut in December of 1991 at age 20. He competed at the Barcelona Summer Olympics for Italy. In the same year, he won the UEFA European Under-21 Championship. He played at the 1994 and 1998 World Cups, Euro 96 and Euro 2000. He was unable to participate at the 2002 World Cup in South Korea and Japan due to an injury to his Achilles tendon a few months before the competition. Final international appearance came in a 2-1 win away over England in Leeds. product of the AC Milan youth system but born in Brianza, which is the Monza area. He made his name in the 1988-89 season under Rigosacchi at the Rossoneri, a brilliant midfielder. He edges out Carlo Ancelotti, Frank Rijkaard, Andrea Pirlo, Ambrosini, Gattuso, Trapattoni for the anchor role in midfield in My Best 11 for Milan. He exhibited a world-class ability to read the game, superb passing range. He was known as Il Metromino, the metronome, he emerged as a fantastic set-piece taker and boasted a long-range shooting capacity as well. He scored 28 goals for Milan and provided a good defensive cover for that wonderful backline of Baresi, Nesta, Costa Corta, Maldini, Tassotti. Debuting as a 17-year-old under Sacchi, before being handed regular game time under Capello To form part of that invincible side, which won the 1991-92 Scudetto undefeated, he served as the heir to Ancelotti and the predecessor to Andrea Pirlo to be Milan's most successful pivot ever collecting 14 trophies along the way to Rossonero Glory. After leaving Milan, Albertini bounced around different teams. He spent the 2002-2003 season on loan at Atletico Madrid. He then moved on to Lazio. They won the Coppa Italia, the only one he ever won. He then moved north to Atalanta, scored a goal on debut. Only spent six months there before being transferred to Barcelona in the January transfer window, where he joined his former mentor Frank Reichardt, who was the coach. At the time and he was able to capture a La Liga title during the final season of his career, a complete experienced and composed midfielder gifted with stamina, power, technique and class, tactical knowledge and excellent vision. Over 400 games for AC Milan, Demetrio Albertini turns 51. This is... Like football. And what about that Berardi goal? He can be compared to an Antonio Di Natale for Udinese, a Sergio Pelissier at Kievo or even a Gigi Riva at Cagliari. Yes, I'm talking about Domenico Berardi. Spectacular volley on the weekend against Lecce. He's just extended his Sassuolo contract until 2027 recently so far with 122 goals in 328 games at Sassuolo into his 11th season. Now, if he sees out this contract extension, it will take him to his 33rd birthday, possibly racking up another 150 Serie A games. He averages 16 goals per season over the past three years. So at that rate, variety could make it to 200 goals there. That's up there with the likes of Roberto Baggio even. Sassuolo CEO Giovanni Carnevali getting that deal done. Hey, That's as good as any big signing in my eyes. He stated that Barati is the most important player that they have on their books, and this is a great acquisition. So they're treating the Berardi he's signing as an acquisition because he has been linked with so many moves away in recent years. He is the club's all-time top scorer and the captain. He's the glue that holds this Sassuolo club together, and having him there will help attract quality players. Sure, Locatelli, Borga, Scamacca, and Raspadori have all moved on, but Fratesi might do so as well. However, the likes of Pinamonti he's joined and that's a ripper of a signing. Berardi is also a Sassuolo youth academy player, so this is evidence of what clubs can achieve if they invest in their youth. The goal against Lecce in a microcosm was Domenico Berardi. If you haven't seen that, head off to the Serie A highlights. They even have covered every angle of that hit. The ball headed away to the edge of the box and Berardi there timing it to perfection, finding the bottom corner. And they won that game 1-0. That was the winner. We'll go through some of the other Serie A games from the weekend. Roma won Cremonese nil and Le Tigre actually had plenty of chances to score, which Jose Mourinho addressed after the game. It was Chris Smalling who was left unmarked at the back post to angle his header in, which won the game. And the three points for Roma who climb up and join Napoli and inter on six points. They are joint leaders of the Italian league. There was also that hit from Valeri from way out on his left foot in the 68th minute. I thought that one was going in. One of the cleanest strikes you'll ever see that took just milliseconds to arrive marginally the wrong side of the post. And for Lecce, Strefezza, the busy bee for the Giallorossi. And doesn't he have that Jovinko look about him? He set up a chance in which Consigli had to save from Di Francesco. And Fiorentina drew nil all in the Tuscan derby. Destro and Icone with the big chances. Refereeing substitution as well. Duncan's volley blocked late on as Ampoli held on with 10 men following the sending off of Sebastiano. Luperto, Inter 3, Spezia nil. Spezia under the pump from the very first moments right up until Lautaro's opener, stroking it home on the left. Drakowski had to save from Dumfries. Lukaku hit the bar. Jelanoglu doubled the lead just after the break. strelet for Spezia couldn't turn a half chance into the goal. And Correa, he finished off the Aquilotti for 3-0 and three big points. One of the games of the round, plenty of action in this one with Atalanta and Milan drawing one all. Milan disappointed not to take the points, but either side could have won this. Malinowski ramming home from outside the area for 1-0. Clean strike to beat Ben Acer with a brilliant inside run and hit on his left for 1-1. Both teams then with chances. The result is a more positive result for Atalanta than Milan, you could say. Really good news for Atalanta with Lukman, Ocoli and Scalvini all looking great in this one. Edison is another new name alongside Brandon Soppi who shifted to Bergamo last week from Udine are now dropped two points in defence of their title. Another nil-all draw. There were four over this round with just 13 goals scored. Torino Lazio nil-all. The battle of the brothers, Sergei versus Vanya in the end. Nothing doing for either side. Torino playing some really good football. Immobile unable to finish off a decent chance. And we'll take you through some of the other match reports. We're going off the Football Italia website here. Another nil all at the Marassi between Sampdoria and Juventus. Sampdoria were twice denied by the frame of the goal. Adrian Rabio scored and his celebrations were cut short by VAR. And Philip Kostic nearly won it on his full Juventus debut. The host almost broke the deadlock in the opening minutes when Magdi went clear and Matija Perin got something on the finish to put it onto the crossbar. Vlahovic risked scoring an own goal. Then he was caught offside when setting up Rabio's disallowed goal. Qualiorella also went close while in stoppages. Kostic was denied by Aldero. Udinese nil, Selenitana nil. That was played at the Dacia Arena. Nahuan Perez sent off for a cynical and professional foul. Marco Silvestri's heroics rescued 10-man Udinese for a point against Davide Nicola's side. Silvestri, the star of the show, with saves on Bonazzoli, Fazio and Matsoki The host reduced to 10 men just before the break as Perez made absolutely no attempt to play the ball when bringing down Matzocchi on the counter-attack. Another draw, but two goals in this one. Bologna won, Verona won. Both clubs lost on the opening day. And what a piece of play for that goal from Arnaltovic. Free-flowing football from Bologna. That's what they're capable of. And Mihaljevic, when he really gets them going, they do purr. Arnaltovic met that Kazios pass to tap in. In the end, really nice assist, well-weighted pass. And he celebrated by pointing to himself as if to say, I'm staying here after the Manchester United negotiations broke down. Thomas Henry did get his goal of eventually with a towering header that's 2-in-2 two two games, or Cellini with a wonderful, powerful finish, cancelled out by the offside flag as well... But the game of the weekend definitely was Napoli against Monza. Another brilliant performance by Luciano Spalletti's men. They do take the number one position on the table at the moment, but that's on goal difference. Nine goals scored across two games by Napoli, perhaps the most potent attacking force in the league at the moment. They turned on the style with another clutch of goals, including two from Georgia international Scalia. First was a Classic right foot curler that could not have been placed any better. The second slip between the goalkeeper's legs after a cheeky dummy. Victor Oshimen also scored on the Zambo and Gisab through ball, while in stoppages, Kim Min Jae got his first ever Serie A goal. So big moments all throughout that Napoli team. Monza on the receiving end. Looks like there's a long term injury to Andrea Ranocchio, who left Inter for Monza. He just can't get a break. He finally has found himself in charge of of a new project where he can play regularly, but it looks as though he'll be out for some time. And this is the audio of Adriano Galliani in Napoli paying homage to the Maradona Shrine. No, that's not at the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium. It's the Morales Maradona, the Quartieri Spagnoli area. Galliani also went on to say that sporting battles are always nice. I'm not sure if he was happy with that result. Not so nice for Monza with a 4-0 loss, but well done to the Monza sporting director for getting down and paying tribute to Diego Armando Maradona, we saw Joe. Jose Mourinho there last season, paying homage as well. Galliani with the Monza number 10 shirt. He autographed that one as well, then hailed the former great Napoli attacker. That was before dealing with the latest great Napoli attacker, which is Cavaradonna or scalia Whatever you want to call him, it's about six years too early to say those other names. scalia Dio mio. How good is he? Here's that opening goal. He's taken the rental in Senior's years, Tiro Giro, and invented his very own version, delighting fans at the Maradona on Sunday evening. Maybe we can call that the Toka Giro, taking a touch back onto your right and honing the ball into the far corner. That is the sound of Osiman for 2-0. Beautifully finished, but a pinpoint pass from Anguiza to send Victor on his way. And those passes off the outside of the foot are never easy, but it allowed the Nigerian striker to run onto the ball, keep his man at bay and get the ball past Di Gregorio, who was an unhappy man by 8.30pm local time on Sunday night. Could have been worse for Monza. They didn't really show much. They have had two tough opponents in the first week of the season. And on that note, we'll go to the chronicles of Raspadori's Metamorphosis at Sassuolo. The tribute to Raspadori on the Sassuolo social media last week had a great feel to it, with images of Jack from his first days as a junior, with a Nero Verdi to his final moments before joining Napoli, The Coldplay music, of course, topped it off. A lovely touch. 18 goals in 76 Serie A matches for Sassuolo. His breakthrough coming in the final stages of the 2020-21 season with six goals in the final weeks. He went on to represent Italy at the Euros and experienced the glory of Wembley. Three goals for Italy in 13 appearances so far. A star of the future, undoubtedly. And he now joins a ferocious Napoli attack. He was there at the Matadona. Didn't get any game time. Neither did the other new signing in Andombale and Simeone. We've, we've now put an article up on our Lega football Substack about Spalletti's attacking options this week, which you can find there. Links on Twitter and the Facebook page as well. It's titled Italy's most potent attack, with a question mark, of course. Following a clear out of the Azzurri stars and the methodical replenishment of up-and-coming prodigies, the mood of the average Napoli fan has swung like a bipolar pendulum in recent months, from losing Mertens and Insigne to then snaring some of the league's best strikers in the final weeks of the transfer market. We dissect Spalletti's options. Can the Napoli manager exploit the full potential of his A-team while maintaining a healthy aura of competitiveness with such an opulent bench now? His tactics are a 4-2-3-1 formation, which feeds Oshiman, or a 4-3-3 where the number 10 goes back into a Medzala position. Currently, Lozano has been preferred to Politanò On the right, with Zelinski, the logical choice centrally, Kvaratskelia has easily beaten the likes of Zerbin and Elmas to the left-wing candidacy with brilliant performances against Verona and now Monza. We haven't even mentioned the other four attacking additions to the Napoli squad yet. So the Napoli attacking transfers. Raspadori replaces Mertens, Kvaratskelia replaces Insigne, and Simeone replaces Petagna, who incidentally scored against Napoli on the weekend but had the goal disallowed as he shoved a defender to the floor before heading in. Then there is Alessio Zerbin and Gianluca Gaetano who come back from their loan spells. So they're two very gifted and versatile players. Zerbin can play on either wing. Gaetano can play as a pivot, as a mezzala, and also likes to play in a left wing attacking role. But then there is Adam Unas who's still at Napoli. So with Jack Raspadori, who joins from Sassuolo, Simeone from Verona, and Gvara from Dinamo Batumi, they have a long list of options and all that for just 18.5 million euros in the short term. But there is depth there now, and that's precisely what Spalletti needs for his new Napoli, which is a UEFA Champions League Napoli. Yes, it's impossible to replace the likes of Insigne and Mertens. It was also impossible replacing Cavani, Hamzik, Lavezzi, and Higuain. But Napoli had to soldier on in this 4-2-3-1 lineup. We'll just take you through the attacking preferences for Spalletti. Lozano on the right, Vada on the left, Zielinski playing behind Victor Seaman. Spalletti's been able to keep the nucleus of his team together despite all the other players leaving as well, such as Ospina and Koulibaly. And it looks as if Fabian Ruiz is departing as well or will be frozen out of the side. Astonishingly, there are only two alterations to the Napoli lineup from last season, with Kavada coming in to replace Insigne, Kim Min-jae coming in to replace Koulibaly. The other nine players were already there. So the Napoli second eleven at this point would be and while I'm talking about attackers, Elmas would be a reserve left side player. Politano on the right, Raspadori as a number 10 behind Simeone with Zerbin, Unas and Ambrosino as options and also Gaetano. So take into account that Unas, Dem and Zerbin are not even named in that second 11. Such is the depth at the Maradona at the moment. Now, whether Napoli is hoarding players or not is another question. Maybe the sporting director Cristiano Giuntoli has learned from previous seasons. Perhaps a luxurious surplus of players is a result of reduced expenditure. Giuntoli has shaved the wage bill down by 25% this season from 60 to 45 million to Napoli's advantage. The fruits of the academy are ripening. Gaetano and Zerbin, they return with seven and nine goals respectively in Serie B last term. But the question still remains as to which players. In the squad, if any, gets sent out on loan or even sold. Elmas is versatile, so he's become a part of the Napoli furniture, particularly as a part of a beautifully crafted, robust bench, and undeniably has secured his position. Unas is exciting, but he's as exciting as he is inconsistent. So unless Matteo Politano is sold, the Moroccan could find himself on the outer and having reduced playing time as the season goes on. And... Considering that Napoli are playing Champions League this season as opposed to Europa League or Conference League, Spalletti will try and play his strongest lineup and could even deploy a 4-3-3 in the competition. He does like to fluctuate between that and a 4-2-3-1. So in the 4-3-3 formation, Raspadori would be favourite to replace Cavada with Politano as first choice backup for Lozano. Zielinski would play deeper or wider in midfield. But if Spalletti goes for a Lobotka, Angiza, and Dombale midfield trio in a 4 3 3, then Zielinski would be used off the bench along with Gaetano and Dem, further diminishing Unas's playing time with a mixed combination of Politano, Raspadori, Kavara, Zedbin, Elmas, and Simeone all on the bench. Unas could be at the back of that Congo line. At this point, it's undisputed that Victor Ossiman is the first-choice starting striker. He's a beast. He remains the focal point. In attack, the acquisitions of Simeone and Raspadori offer potent striking alternatives. And then there's 18-year-old Giuseppe Ambrosino from the Primavera. So you couldn't even see Unas coming in as a false nine. The napoli tifosi have all been shown the full deck now that Giuntali was shielding throughout July and August. And if Spalletti feels like it, he can even turn to a 4-4-2. Simeone or Seaman would make a devastating combination up forward. If they're chasing a game, he could go gung-ho with a Raspadori, Victor and Cholito strike force. All the makings of a Serie A superhero series or a European UEFA Champions League superhero series. So again, pending injuries, Elmas ranks higher than Unas and Zerbin in the pecking order. The North Macedonian is a more important component in bridging gaps, and his pressing game is second to none. Gianluca Gaetano is still unproven at Serie A level. And in order, these are my favorites to leave before September 1st. It's definitely Adam Unas as the first choice for Spalletti to let go of. He's no stranger to loan spells. He's been at Crotone, Calvary and Nice. He spent half the season with Napoli last term though. He'd prefer to play at a smaller club as opposed to peeling oranges in Naples. Spalletti has also ensured that Unas has played in both Serie A fixtures so far, which was a tactic possibly to attract suitors. Then there's Alessio been at number two, surplus to requirements at this stage and has failed to take his opportunities against Verona. Unsure he's ready at this level, And again, Spalletti has dangled the carrot to potential suitors with 10 to 15 minutes in each game. Then there's Gianluca Gaetano. Sometimes it's all about timing, and the ex-Cremonese star suffered a two-match suspension at a crucial point in the season before the season even started, which has further restricted his chances of impressing Spalletti, at least in a competitive sense out on the pitch. Then it's Matteo Politano at number four, and that's only because he initially wanted a move away. And if a decent club does come in with an offer, there's a small chance that the former Sassuolo man could leave. Number five is Hervin Lozano. Probably sounds crazy now, but he had been linked with a big money move to the Premier League. Number six is Piotr Zielinski. And that's also for the same reason. He was linked with a big money move to the Premier League. Lots of things to consider for Luciano Spalletti, perhaps. The Fabian Ruiz situation is clouding the skies over Mount Vesuvius as well. He's rumored to be leaving for $25 million for PSG. The club had made the agreement, but Fabian Ruiz, it seems to me as if Fabian Ruiz would prefer to leave on a free transfer, and that could possibly be to command a higher yield when it comes to wages. As we've seen in the past with Rabiot and Ramsey joining Juventus, there was no transfer fee involved. They left for free and they arrived and could command higher wages and that's potentially what Ruiz is doing and in my opinion he'd probably prefer to play at Real Madrid or Barcelona who had been linked with him before so he could bide his time and wait another 12 months but that would inhibit his ability to be selected for the Spanish national team if he stays in Naples and doesn't play and perhaps Aurelio De Laurentiis will use that in the tactical warfare. Still one week to go in that saga so we'll see what happens. Que pasera. One thing's for sure, the Partenope are now brimming with quality and depth in the final third all across midfield Sure, it's going to take some tweaking to perfect Spalletti's brew as the tactician attempts to cast an unanticipated spell upon his adversaries, because I'm not sure they saw this coming. But thankfully for now, dogmatic and cynical Napoli fans, all of you out there, can breathe a sigh of relief, including myself. It's now time for the pundits to swing from Napoli will struggle to finish in the top half to Napoli is a dark horse for the Scudetto. This is Lego Football. We'll take you through some transfer news. parma has signed ex-Torino winger Christian Ansaldi. Lecce has picked up Marin Pogracic from VfL Wolfsburg. He's a Croatian central defender. Cesare Casadei was sold to Chelsea. He leaves Inter for 15 million euros without ever having played a game for the Nerazzurri. Francesco Di Mariano leaves Lecce for Palermo. He's an attacker born in Palermo. Leo Stulatz departs amply, also for Palermo. He's a midfield reinforcement for Corini. Colombian defender Jean Lucumi goes to Bologna from Genk in the Belgian League. Another Colombian defender joins Hellas Verona. Juan Cabal arrives from Atletico Nacional. And Dombele joins Napoli, unknown from Tottenham. Soppi to Atalanta from Udinese. That's the third wing-back that the Pozzo family have sold this summer after Udogi and Molina. At least Udogi remains in Udine for the remainder of this season. Mamadou Koulabeli leaves Selenitana for Ternana, so a big addition for Cristiano Lucarelli's side. Gonzalo Villa is now with Sampdoria from Roma. Torino nabbed centre-back Per Scurs from Ajax while sending diminutive forward. Vincenzo Milico to Cagliari. So that wraps up our transfer news. Still one week to go before the window closes. We'll now head to the A.it site to have a look at the classifica. On six points, there are three teams. Napoli in first position on goal difference. They've scored nine and conceded those two against Verona. Inter have scored five and conceded just the one. Roma haven't conceded any, but they've only scored twice. Juventus, Milan, Atalanta, Fiorentina, Lazio and Torino are all on four points and occupy fourth, all the way down to eighth. Sassuolo got a win over the weekend, and they go up to three points with Spezia. Then from 12th down to 17th. Bologna, Empoli, Salernitana, Udinese, Sampdoria and Verona all on one point. Cremonese, Lecce and Monza, the three promoted sides, all without a point yet. We'll see if they can improve on that in the coming weeks. The next round, match day three, is underway this Friday with Monza up against Udinese and then Lazio against inter saturday Cremonese take on torino it's the big game between juventus and roma milan take on bologna at the san siro spezia host sassuolo and then sunday's games see an interesting clash at verona as atalanta visit selenitana are up against sampdoria so it's candreva against his old side Fiorentina Napoli's mouth-watering, and Lecce and Empoli. Perhaps this is the chance for Lecce to get a point on the board. Don't forget we've got the interview with Andy Wallace, Cacarata Calcistica coming later this week, where we talk about the Kievo saga between the former owner Campedelli and Sergio Pellissier, the former Kievo player, who both would like to reincarnate Kievo. And don't forget to join us all over the web. We're now on Facebook as well, so search us up there. We'll put a link in the podcast show notes. We're also on YouTube and Twitter. Una cortesia, simpatia, porco dio, vai now, there wasn't too much in the way of the Moscone moments over the weekend. So many draws and so few goals. There were so few reasons for coaches and players to lose the plot. So with Atalanta playing Milan, we'll rewind a couple of years back to when Tiziano Crudelli lost the plot in true Moscone fashion. And if you don't know what a Moscone moment is, to put it in a modern day context, it's when someone like a Davide Nicola would throw his shoe on the touchline. It's a Trapattoni moment, hurling insults at a press conference. The usual suspects would include your Jose Mourinho's, your Maurizio Saris, perhaps a Lukaku versus Ibrahimovic situation. Germano Mosconi was a television anchorman and journalist from Verona who let his mouth run just a little bit too much on live television. So our Moscone moment of the week is Tiziano Crudelli. He is a pundit that is a big, big supporter of AC Milan. And in 2019, the Rossoneri visited Atalanta and got absolutely thrashed 5-0. The goals were flowing from start to finish with Bappu gomez Pasalic, and Ilicic brace, and Luis Muriel topped it off. It was Gasparini versus Pioli, just like it was on the weekend. I'm David Farini, your host of Lego Football. We'll let Tiziano Crudelli's reaction see out the rest of the show. Sono incazzato nero perché oggi abbiamo subito noi rossoneri, noi tifosi rossoneri, una umiliazione, una umiliazione, un Milan inesistente. Non è possibile vedere un Milan così ridotto così male. Qui bisogna recitare il mea culpa, devono recitare il mea culpa, tutti, società, allenatore, gli allenatori, i giocatori, perché non è possibile essere umiliati 5 a 0 senza riuscire a creare una sola occasione offensiva ma non è possibile, ma non è possibile ottava sconfitta in 17 partite abbiamo fatto 16 gol di cui 4 su rigore e un autorete questo è il Milan, là davanti un Milan inesistente che ha speso 110 milioni per rimportare l'organico e che prende 5 gol dall'Atalanta this is Lego Football. I must mention some of the tunes played in this podcast. Nero Verdi, the song under Domenico Berardi, that's by Neck. Also, Azzurro by Adriano Celentano, and the Milan theme song for Demetrio Albertini.